Welcome back, Rampants, to the SaaS Ramp Podcast. I'm your host, Podcast Pete. Cool guest on today, we have Enrique Cruz at Rose. Enrique is the head of growth, first head of growth on the show. So we're going to grill him about PLG and find out all about Rose and himself as well. So welcome to the show, Enrique. Great to have you. Thank you, Pete, for having me. It's a pleasure. And thank you for the timing. I don't know if anybody can notice at all if you're watching on, on the audio. Enrique was so nice as to give me great Eastern Standard Time hours while he is in Europe <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and staying up late just to be on the podcast. So appreciation from me and the audience. <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> thank you. Well, we, we like to jump right into it and then kind of back out for a little bit more context. Know your head of growth. No Rose is growing very, very quickly. Could see in TechCrunch articles as well, some of the other things in, in research, just how quickly it's growing, just like most of these hypergrowth organizations we speak with on the show. So what maybe in the last two quarters have you been working on? Like, it's hard. Like, what's your biggest challenge of the last six months? Mm -hmm. I think for us at Rose and just taking a step back, what is Rose? Right? Rose, we're building a spreadsheet, we say, for the Slack generation. So you know, the modern spreadsheet that that has the built-in integrations with the data sources that you need, that you can get data from your analytics account, from your database, et cetera, and where you can share it as an interactive website, really, so that the, the data doesn't end in a spreadsheet and you can actually continue your work forward. And when you think about this, the kind of the hardest challenge that we have is around account activation. So a spreadsheet, unlike most products, it's something that is so horizontal that you can use it for to do a budget, to plan a project, to plan your vacation, or to run the back office of your e-commerce shop. And so the biggest challenge for us is people come in with certain expectations of what the spreadsheet is or what a spreadsheet should do. How fast can we show them value so that they have a reason to come back the following day? Like that's really the biggest challenge that we have on the product and on the growth side. And that's, I think, a lot of the work that we've been doing over the past six months. Interesting. Okay. I, I have a couple for you because again, I told you like first head of growth on the show. So we're talking about slightly different challenges before we even like understand like why, why does the business care about some of these things like account activation and, and you, you mentioned speed to value and things like that. Like why are these things mm -hmm. important? I think it all starts from what is the model through which your company will grow and scale especially after, after you have either product market fit, or at least there's a subset of users that you know are getting value from the product and you want skill from them, then it's kind of time to think about, okay, how does this organization grow? Are we going mostly through virality? So will people invite other people or will people refer other people? And is this the growth motion? Will we mostly grow through content? So will people be generating content their own, the users and publishing in the way that can be indexed, or is the company going to be generating content or is something more on the paid side or on the sales side? And the responsibility of growth is really to think and then to execute on top of this. And so the reason why we have growth is because it is our job to, in our case, get this viral motion going, right? So if you think about a spreadsheet, you think about a productivity tool, it's a better, a better product happens when more people are on it together. And this typically lends itself very well for a viral motion. So giving people a reason to share a spreadsheet. So me sharing a spreadsheet with you, Pete, inviting you to my account, or me sharing a spreadsheet with, with a supplier and they cannot edit the spreadsheet, but they have access to it. So all of this is very viral based. And that is kind of the ethos behind our growth team, getting that going. Okay. So I'm kind of hearing you say like, like one of the things that you're trying to do is 
increase collaboration, which would increase, I I assume it would increase number of users for one, as Mm -hmm. well as is probably the amount of value they're receiving from it. If something's valuable enough that you're willing to share it to a colleague and you're now like being able to move back and forth a little bit Mm. through the software. Yeah, exactly. And where activation comes in is, for example, we've, we know that if you do kind of more or less at the moment, then which you've reached 15 actions within the product. And an action for us is viewing a spreadsheet, creating a spreadsheet, or inviting someone to join your spreadsheet, or embedding your spreadsheet somewhere else. From the moment that you've reached 15 action, kind of you're locked in, right? Your three-week retention is 60-70%, and you understood the value of the product, and you created a habit around it. So the challenge is really, how can we get you to reach this 15 threshold, right? Is it, should we, what are the templates that we recommend when you'd sign up, right? What features do we have that we might be missing, right? Like is the positioning off and therefore you arrive at the product with a different mindset. And so activation is really key because if we move this needle up from 15% to 25%, then we have a few thousand people joining every week. This really translates down the line to more opportunities for people to invite other people. People kind of are longer in the product. There are more touch points to upgrade, et cetera. It, this, is, this fascinates me. I, I'm an ex, I'm an ex high school and college science teacher. So this is, this is a life cycle to me mixed with like a heavy dose of statistics. And so the, that, the fact that you say there are 15 actions and here's what classifies an action. Here's what we're looking for between 15 and 25 percentage of like, this is, this is growth speak that is really, really interesting. Um, and like, this is what causes that, that big curl behind the ability to put an enterprise motion in play, bring in a, a go-to-market team to take it to the next level, but it never really stops. And at, at Postman, 22 million developers, there's a vision of 100 million connected, collaborative, viral developers. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fairly, it, it fairly obvious to me that Postman will eventually reach that, that Corolla. And I'm sure yeah, Rose is doing something very, very similar. So that's, that's super cool. So what is it that you're doing then and by the way, we're on question one and I just have all these rabbit trails. So forgive me if we're, if we're not moving past that. But what is it that you're doing when you're, when you're, are you running experiments? Like I would run science experiments. Are you choosing one variable and then employing that variable, you know, testing? Is it the scientific method within software essentially? It's essentially that. So the way we think about it is we run multiple experiments at the same time that all should influence this viral motion. Okay, so let me give you, or or if we go a step behind, for example, that should influence the activation moment. So just to give you a couple of examples, like one experiment that we ran recently was when you sign up the first time and you land on our dashboard, we have something called the learn page, which kind of are resources that are dedicated to you based on your role, et cetera. And we were seeing that very few people actually clicked on that learn page. But the people who clicked on the learn page had a high correlation with retention down the line. And so one experiment that we did is, is the fact that is it, that's called the learn page a detractor? Because you imagine that something that's called the learn page is something that you need to spend time on. And that, was re- that wasn't really the case. It were templates, tutorials, easy things. And so one experiment was moving that and calling it the for you page. So a lot more like what TikTok calls their experience. Mm. And that alone increased between two and three X the amount of people that go to that page. So, so that is an example of one experiment. A different experiment was around what templates do you see when you sign up? For example, we, when you sign up to Rose, we asked you two questions. 
One of them is, what is your role? Are you a marketer, a founder, a GM, whatever? And how good are you with spreadsheets? Are you a basic user? Are you a pro with spreadsheets? And what we were seeing is if you said that you were a basic or a beginner user, then if we recommended templates that needed, for example, a Google Analytics integration or a Salesforce integration, your churn rate was super high. And so one of the experiments was what will happen if these people that are basic or beginner users actually are never recommended templates with integrations. They are recommended simple templates like a budget tracker, a personal debt tracker, a weekly meeting notes template. And that alone increased the activation and the retention of people who installed templates because kind of it made them easier to get started, so easier to value. So these are a lot of the things that we have running in parallel and that basically kind of keep the, the growth team busy. Okay, okay. So I, what, is your, what is your measure of success? Like what's your success criteria for running your own proof of value internally. You know, we do that on the sales side. We do that for our customers. We want to understand like based on their success criteria, we'll be able to show value within a trial or a pilot or a, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter with product led growth. They know what it is. You're just trying to help them see like what future could they state could they have. But what is it for you guys as far mm-hmm. as success criteria goes? Is there a threshold for what works? There is a threshold for what worked. Well, it's a bit uh, experiment dependent, right? So, you know, we basically have a baseline and like, let's say, you know, three months ago, this is a real use case, a real numbers three, three months ago, uh, like 50 to 55% of the people who installed the template didn't do anything in the template. Right? And then we did a bunch of these kind of improvements and now it's down to kind of 30, 32, 33%. Right? So there we see a meaningful impact in the things that we ran. And so we can say kind of. This direction makes sense. We can now move on. Sometimes it's a lot more difficult, but uh, at the scale where we are now, we're really going after meaningful jumps in the KPIs. Therefore, if it's kind of a one, two percent change, then it's unlikely that that will drive a lot of impact or that we can say we directly contributed to that. We're more looking to things that have kind of a 30 percent, 20 percent, 40 percent difference in the before and after. So we don't have really like a scientific threshold for all of the experiments, but I think we intuitively gather know-how of if this thing made an impact or not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. makes sense. I mean, it sounds like the better, better is the threshold and much better is something that you really want to get behind and, and double or triple down on really spend more development resources to pursue. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That makes sense. So it feels like this is intuitive, but with no go-to-market teams, no sales-led motion yet in this product-led motion that you're going, your, you know, product market fit is there. You know, I know that's, these are ongoing spectrums, but we're just saying check the box, mm-hmm. not no sales-led motion yet. So we are at like, this is the head of growth is, is, is pursuing this as like the full this is the go-to-market leader. You are the go-to-market leader right now. So what are the negative mm-hmm. consequences if this, if, if account activation is, is slow or, or the speed to value is too long? Like these, these couple of things that you mentioned were challenges, the things that you're working on, like what, what happens in that case? In that case, what happens is that retention ends up being very poor. And if retention is poor, it means that less people are going to share the part with other people. And therefore, there's no really compounding effect 
of you know, people coming back to the platform and it growing. So what happens is you end up sort of with the leaky bucket, right? People come in, they kind of try the product. It's not good enough. They don't get value. They leave. And, and basically you can't build a scalable business, at least on top of a viral motion like this. So you have to rethink the value prop or the product or the, how you acquire people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating in this product-led growth motion where there's a virality to it, a, a collaborative push, because it makes these graphs, it makes these graphs move in an exponential fashion when you're doing it correctly. So the fact that one person can offer it to others and there's this spreading network effect is, is a little bit different than like simply missing a sale in like a top-down motion, because you being able mm -hmm. to get one person means that they can it's that spreading, like they can get two, they can get four, they can get eight. Yeah, exactly. The biggest difference is this compounding effect, right? Sales maybe has a compounding effect or there's kind of an expansion after you signing the new customer. Here, the motion kind of is a self-perpetuating motion machine. And therefore, if you miss it, it means not only that you're not retaining people next week, it means that you're not expanding two, three, four weeks, you know, two, three, four months and everything it becomes harder from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can completely understand it. I, I love this stuff. This is, this is because this is what, this is what just really like triggered me about, about Postman and what was happening there, which made me want to go and, and become part of this, this organization that I'm currently at. So I, you know, again, we've been talking about it already, so it may not change the conversation at all, but if you had to choose out of the myriad of, of, you know, initiatives that you probably have in flight. If you are looking towards, maybe even towards next year and just the beginning of next year, mm -hmm. and you had to choose one thing for your founder, your CEO, if they ask you, what would be the one thing that you would have to get right for your growth organization to ultimately be successful? Yeah, it's a little bit of a loaded answer, but I think the one thing that we need to get right is giving people a reason to share the spreadsheet. And and sharing means three ways. It could be, we give you enough reason to share a spreadsheet with a colleague to collaborate with you, or we give you enough reasons to share a spreadsheet or part of the spreadsheet with a supplier or a client or someone outside the organization, right? Or we give you enough, enough reasons for you to share a chart inside your notion or your wiki and other people have contact with, or we give you enough confidence for you to share something with the world. We have this thing called publishing, where it's kind of a GitHub for spreadsheets. I really, I built a really interesting sales template. I want to publish it to the world. People can come see it duplicated. And I have kind of analytics on top of it. And this is really what we need to get right. Increasing the reasons for people to share the stuff that they've done at Rose. And the more, the better we do this and solve this, then the faster we will grow and the more established we'll become. I like some of these terms you're, you're utilizing. I like that answer as well, but I like the, we are the, uh, the, the spreadsheet for Slack users or Slack generation, as I recall you mentioning earlier, mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. is the GitHub yeah. for spreadsheets, which, cause these things resonate. You know, a lot of people use Uber for like the, mm -hmm. for the Uber of XYZ and they'll fill in the blank. Yeah. And this is like, sometimes that helps the, the yeah. tech version of it, which brings me to my next question then growth, the growth role is a new role. I mean, enablement, sales enablement is a fairly new role as well. It's a little bit more of a progressive role, but, but growth beats, beats that as far as like a progressive motion goes. This is a, this is a newer mm -hmm. uh, dynamic with, uh, with product led growth. How did you, 
land this role? Like, where did you come from? Why was this a fit? Even if it's connecting the dots, looking backwards, like, did you, in undergrad, did you take, are you a growth bachelor's degree? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, but looking back, like you said, connecting the dots, I think my, my degree is in industrial engineering and management, which is a little bit of a technical business generalist degree. So there's a little bit of coding, a little bit of operations research, a little bit of statistics, like a little bit of, of uh, a lot of things, accounting, business, macroeconomics. And com coming out of university, I did consulting for a while, basically continuously helping companies, mostly on the, on the shop floor, manufacturing, get better at what they do, like sell more stuff, do it more quality. And it took me around the world. I worked for a few months in the US, in Russia, in China, in Taiwan, and in Portugal, where I was from. And then I jumped to the, to the tech world initially kind of on the product management, program management role, where I could apply a bit of the frameworks and thinking from statistics and from the consulting world. And, and basically growth kind of came as a natural step after product. So when I joined Rose, we were called Dash Dash at the time. It was free product, free users, kind of, that was a grid and a, a bold vision and some money in the bank. And basically I, I joined the team to help them build out the product. And then after a couple of years, we were still, we still had a wait list. So we were still in beta, but I was kind of the person who was talking more with users, had helped build up the, the data pipeline as well, was still kind of on the product. And it felt natural to have someone take over on the business side and that it would be me. So it was kind of a natural progression. So yes, growth kind of might be a relatively new discipline, but it is, it is a bit of kind of marketing together with product, right? It's kind of quantitative marketing, having product people on your team as well. And that just felt like a natural expansion of the stuff that I was doing before. It does not surprise me at all that you have some kind of product marketing background. I had an excellent VC on from Battery Ventures. We'll release his episode probably similar time frame as yours as well. And, mm -hmm. and he has product marketing background. And then it led him into, it led him into this, this venture capital opportunity at Battery. But again, it's this growth mindset. Like he's, he, he talks about product market fit and, and PLG as his two primary ideologies behind whether a company will do extremely well or not. There's certain numbers there and it's really based on this growth of motion. And it was the same answer he essentially had. So I know being a venture capitalist and being a, a growth leader are two different things, but you can, you can kind of see the correlation there if you understand the products yeah. and, and business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So very, very well. So there's still not the college course for my daughter to eventually go take off. No. I'm head of growth, but you can see how it's connected. <laughs> not yet. No. All right. That's all awesome. The, you told us a little bit, a little bit about your, your, you know, your trip around the world and, and things like that. Anything else on the personal and professional side that kind of has like led to this particular opportunity at Rose, just anything to expand upon? Well, it was a bit of a coincidence really looking, joining Rose because I was introduced to Umberto, the founder, because me and my wife, girlfriend at the time were planning to move to Berlin and just live abroad for a while. And I got introduced to him because they were starting 
dash dash. And they were in Berlin. And kind of, I was more introduced on that. Look, you should meet Umberto. He has built a couple, a couple of companies in Berlin. He might know some people there. And then that moved into, you know, what are you doing? Kind of, uh, et cetera. And that, then I met the team and I loved what they were doing. So that was really serendipitous, right? I didn't kind of apply or I wasn't even referred to a job. I was just referred to a person who might help me land my next gig potentially in Berlin or show me around the city. So I think these things happen. I was introduced because the founder of the first startup that was at out of, out of after consulting TalkDesk, so TalkDesk.com, now they're you know, very well known. She yeah. was the one who introduced me to Umberto at the time. So I think these connections then play a role even several years down the line. And I'm really grateful for that. Okay. That's very cool. I, I really do like that. I mean, hey, talk about collaboration, talk about sharings. You know, that's one-to-one sharing. Mm-hmm. It's not viral, but it only takes one when you're yeah, for your next. Exactly. That's very, that's, that's awesome. Okay. Another thing then with Rose, Rose is growing so quickly. Again, a, a, just a, a quick look. I always, I just prefer TechCrunch. I like how concise they are and they get to the point. And if it's important, TechCrunch will report on it. But you plug in TechCrunch and Rose, you're going to find out about the Series B funding and how amazing that is. Congratulations again on that. What, what's the context for the, for the hyper growth? Like, what, I mean, it's a spreadsheet, right? So like, like, cause everything is just like, oh, Uber is just cars, oh, Netflix, just a TV show. So what is the context for the absolute scale of Rose right now? I think it starts with why are we building a spreadsheet, right? I think if you look at the digital market, probably Excel is the only company that has dominated the same market for 40 years. And then Google Sheets came in, but I, we, we just think our thesis is a lot of things have changed in the past 15, 16 years since Google Sheets launched, like the mobile phone and the iPhone launched a few years later and kind of this, everything need to be mobile, ready to go, ready to consume is a big trend that was post spreadsheets. And also this explosion of SaaS, you know, we're talking at a SaaS podcast, so mm-hmm. SaaS APIs integrating these different services and spreadsheets really haven't caught up. And I think that is part of the appeal to have, of having someone who is kind of bold enough and daring enough to build a new spreadsheet because by itself is a little bit of a suicidal mission, right? Building something on top of maybe the most well-established marketing software. And I think that's part of the interesting appeal to what drives people to at least try the product. And I think then our job to propel growth is really to keep these people happy and then they will invite more people and they will tell about more people about it. But, you know, I can, you mentioned the TechCrunch about Series B, but we have done other things more on positioning us against Google and Microsoft. A few months ago, we bought a billboard outside kind of San Jose, close to Google and one close to Redmond saying things like, you know, Google, your spreadsheet is from 2006. So is the Nokia 7060 or 6070. It's time for an upgrade. And like outside Redmond as well, like my dear Microsoft, your spreadsheet is 40 years old. It's time for an upgrade or it's time to retire, something like this. And I think what appeals to people is this contrast between the old and the new. And why is someone building a spreadsheet if it's something that kind of people are used to? So I think that's a little bit of the context. We still have a lot of work to do to actually bring this to millions of people who are happy. But I think that is part of the appeal as well on the brand side. That's very cool. That's, 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 that's kind of fun. It's so funny to me, by the way, and aside, these billboards, like billboards, like 
if you find somebody in like marketing right now on YouTube, like going viral, they will be talking about why everything needs to run through your phone and why the only people like nobody's looking at a billboard because they're on their phone looking at their phone if they're a passenger or they're driving, looking at the road. <laughs> the only place that I feel like that is different is in the Bay Area because Postman, we put out billboards too. And I will literally speak to guests on podcasts and they'll tell me about the billboard that they just saw. And I'm just like, yeah. I don't live in Bay Area, but I know when I'm coming in from either airport, I see these billboards and they're always for like the latest, greatest in, in fast <laughs> products. And like, it's the one place the billboards yeah. are on fire. So that's super yeah, cool. It is true. We, we did use the billboards more for kind of the campaign on the digital side and not really on the physical side, but it is a great medium for you to tell great stories around. And of course, you're in the Bay Area, you're going from San Jose to San Francisco, you will see billboards of B2B SaaS companies, like, you know, every few miles. That is, that is true. Okay. Okay. It's like, yeah, it's like the, the, the one in a million Tesla store that's actually out there. And you're like, oh, because, you know, they just have a blueprint mm -hmm. somewhere to tell the story. You can go order online. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That, just neat on that one. Okay. Then, then and I know we're all, I'd be like, like it's, it, it goes quick because these are, these are fascinating pieces of Intel. What about where are you going? Like, what are some of the places, like, where do you see rows? Take as long of a time period as you want. It's hyper growth SaaS. Maybe, maybe a year is as far out as you want to look without blowing the top off of your own head. But what's the vision for scaling look like in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. The goal for us is really to become an integral part of pure workflow. I think the, be the best comparative that we have now is the office suite seems to be changing relatively fast, right? So you have Notion, you have Miro, you have all of these companies tackling. And we think that spreadsheets are the largest untapped opportunity. So we want to be that player on the new office suite of the 2020s. That is really the goal. And I think what that means is for us to be integrated into the workflows and the stuff we do every day is making it collaborative, making it fun and relevant to share, make it look good so that you're proud to share. A lot of the time we are afraid to share the work that we've done in a spreadsheet because it's ugly, the charts don't look good, everything's kind of st scattered. So giving you reasons and making you proud to share your work and give you visibility inside the company. If we do these things right, I think we can kind of slowly become the default spreadsheet for the new office suite. And that's really what we're going after giving people more power to do their job faster. Because what we, when we talk with people, you know, they may have a really interesting BI tool, they may have a great CRM, but oftentimes the work just ends on a spreadsheet. There's always something that you need to export to do some filters and a quick analysis. Always. And that will, I think, never change, or at least for the foreseeable future, won't change. We just want to make it better. Okay. That's tremendous. And if I was a good podcast host, I would wrap right then because that's a really good finale. <laughs> I just can't help it. When yeah. you mention these others, because there's Google Suite, Microsoft Suite, mm -hmm. meaning there's a grouping of like products to get, not like products, but like a, a grouping of, you have, the, you have your deck, you have your flash mm -hmm. keynote, you have your, your word processor, mm -hmm. you have your, your sheet. So is there like, I mean, is there a world, is there a collaborative motion? Are there partnerships that could form between all of these, you know, X, Y, Z of, for the Slack generation? Is there like something that would like band together? And so you're not standing alone as the sheet and then somebody else having to find, you know, yeah. Ocean, Miro, things like that. Yeah. I think this is something that honestly, the 
tech world hasn't solved yet, which is how do you put together a new office suite? There are, I think, two types of positionings. You can be something where you say we are actually not a direct replacement of X. We work together with X, which is, you know, Airtable is a great database, modern database, and they probably wouldn't say that they replace the office suite, even though for a lot of jobs they do, but they kind of are attached to the suite. Or Notion maybe doesn't really replace your Word document, but it's kind of a new type of document. So that's one way, like we're a new type of X, but I think really to, to build a new office suite, you will need maybe some partnerships. There are still some pieces missing. I think nobody's really building the Gmail replacement, right? The email replacement, not a client, but just like an email server that you can spun up your company at whatever, new email provider.com, because that is the glue, right? When you start a new company, you start with Gmail or you start with Microsoft and the suite comes from there. And you maybe you'll buy Notion, maybe you'll buy Rose, maybe you'll buy Airtable. But I think something needs to change a bit to have it like all tied in together. Obviously, we saw how Slack exited to Salesforce and it kind of came under a, a bigger umbrella to be able to compete with Microsoft Teams. I think you will see more consolidation in the market, but there's also, I think, a universe in which you see a like, deep alternative to the suite or, or at least a bigger complementation with it. Uh, we still don't know. At least I don't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm super curious about that because I know these things are happening in real time. So I didn't know if you had mm-hmm. any insight. So I'll keep my eyes filled for that. I got another one because there's, again, this is like, these are things where I'm like, go to market side or, or sales, sales led side. And this is more of a self-service growth motion. So where, where do you look to try to gather inspiration? So like, for example, I'm a big gong.io user. We partner with Gong through the podcast and things like that to have like some promotionals that run. And so when I want to know like how a sales led motion is going really well, I look to them and some of these things that they're even employees put out. And so that's how I catch my like tip of the spear information about a go to market motion, for example, or revenue intelligence. Like, do you just look at other like what you think are fantastic products to gather information? Do you like have a network of of people? Are there periodicals? or things or blogs that you like to look into and read as a head of growth? Like, how do you, how do you stay up to speed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I keep a running list of my favorite articles and blog posts when, so that when people ask me, I also share in general, the things that I really like are Lenny's newsletter. Lenny's an ex Airbnb guy who has an excellent newsletter on product and on growth. Harry's marketing examples is also a newsletter that I really like about more like marketing, copywriting examples. And then I end up catching up a little bit of different things on the finance side, on the product side, on the marketing side. Spent maybe a little bit too much time or some time on Twitter talking with people and learning from people. And I do keep a list of products that I like or new releases and I keep on track of that. I maybe twice a week, we'll go to product and see what's new. How are people positioning things? What type of videos are they producing? What reaction is it getting? And then what really helps me really is going deep into knowing how people use roles. I go out of my way to make sure I have two, like two to five calls per week with users, either new users or existing users. And one thing that really helped us get a better intuition is just kind of looking quantitatively at the data and seeing, okay, everybody that signed up this week, what do they do? 30% of people created a spreadsheet from blank. What was that spreadsheet? Which formulas were used? Did the person drop or not? Did they invite somebody else? And I think all of this together has helped 
are me, I think, build an intuition around this. But that's kind of where I go. This is very cool. Like, that's a great insight. By the way, it is so funny with these, with these like really like kind of not top secret, but like they're the ones that people in the know will listen. Lenny's, Harry's. You would never name anything like that if you were, if they like, <laughs> it's almost the antithesis of SAS, right? These clean logos, these little animal yeah. And you've got Lenny's, you know, it just, it harkens back to a former yesteryear. Like that sounds like a, that's like a sub shop where I live, like, you know, big yeah. sandwich shop. So. I kind of like that. It's almost like a, it's almost like a marketing tactic unto itself to just sound so different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for the time. Fantastic. So you've had a long journey. I always like to ask, cause there's a little gratitude along the way as, as all these things are going so well. I know there's challenges, but we're, we're truly blessed to be in this SaaS space. Again, I was an educator. You hadn't been around the world for the good and the bad of that as it went on. Enrique, two or three people to thank along the way for your journey to this point. Well, I really have to thank Umberto and Torben, the founders of Rose, because, you know, I joined in four years ago where there was kind of, like I told you, a grave, not much else. I think they took a chance on hiring their first product person. Maybe they didn't really need it and kind of allow me to move from product to growth from Portugal to Berlin. And they have been just great sidekicks on this journey. So I really have to thank them. And I, then on my, on the personal side, honestly, just my wife, because Again, we've moved from Portugal to Berlin, kind of changed lives, had the baby, and she's always been super supportive and she has a very demanding job as well. So we kind of work together as a team. And I think this wouldn't be possible without her uh, for sure. So this would be my top three people to, to thank. That's, yeah, that's wonderful. Well put. Mine brought me a new puppy to hang out with and take care of. And I feel <laughs> the same way on all my bosses, including my wife. Enrique, <laughs> thank you. That was brilliant. Wonderful. Cool. Thanks so much for the for the invite. Thank you. Mm-hmm.